0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you today. You know, we've been in a series called Colossal, and this is the last week after seven weeks of going through the book of Colossians. You know, the Colossus next door over here at Magic Mountain was unveiled in 1978 as the largest at the time roller coaster in the world. The word colossal means great, big, significant. And we've been learning that God has something significant, something great that he wants to tell us. And we've been doing that as we study through the book of Colossians. So if you have a Bible, turn with me, or phone, iPad, wherever you get scriptures, if you will go to Colossians chapter four. I wanna welcome everyone, if you're a guest, my name is Jared Ming, I'm the lead pastor here. I also wanna welcome our online campus, people in Phoenix, people in Lake Balboa, England, um, Latvia, we have people in Indianapolis. Man, we're so glad that you're with us. I am so excited because in this service now, we have interpretation for the the language of Farsi. And so several families now are coming, and we're so glad that you're here with us today. Can we welcome our online campus? Isn't it great to have them all around the world joining us? I want to invite the ushers to come. Church at the Movies, you just saw it a minute ago. Starting the last three weeks... Of September, we're having three weeks where we're going to be giving away popcorn. You can eat popcorn in church. You can have soda. We're going to have candy. And we're going to watch little clips from movies. There's going to be a message in the middle of all of that. It's going to be incredible. But we need you to get out there and invite your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, anybody that you think needs Jesus. How I many you know it just takes one invitation for someone's life to be changed forever? So I'll sure start passing those out. I know we started last week. But maybe you need some more, or maybe you didn't get some. Start passing out these tickets. It's going to be incredible. Every week will be a surprise. We're not going to let you know what the movie is until you show up. It's going to be fun, and we're going to get a chance to share the love of Jesus. You know, as they're passing those out, I thought I would take a minute and tell you a little story I heard about a conversation that happened between Adam and God. Um, Adam was in the garden, he was walking with God, and one day he looked at God and he said, God, I want to ask you a couple questions about this gift called woman. And he said, "Um, God, my first question is, why did you make her so beautiful? And God looked back at Adam and said, so that you would love her. He said, well, then why did you give her such long and flowing hair? He said, so that you would love her. He said, well, why did you give her such a beautiful figure? He said, so that you would love her. And then he kind of had a, one of those question marks on his face and said, but why is she so forgetful? And the Lord said, so that she would love you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> aren't you glad God loves us, right? We've been learning in the book of Colossians that God wants to change our perspective. We need to see things from a heavenly point of view. I want you to stand to your feet those of you joining us around the world you can stand right where you are in your home. We're going to read now in Colossians chapter 4. This is the last chapter of Colossians. We're not going to be able to read the whole chapter, but we're going to read the first part which has another area that God wants us to change our mentality, our perspective about. We've learned that he wants us to change our perspective about sexuality, about the way we talk, about relationships forgiveness we learned last week about the concept of submission whatever it might be God has a message for us and so I want us to see the last theme that he gives us in the book of Colossians before he goes into his time to say hey we're so thankful that you've received this letter and he sends all of his greetings from everyone so let's go to Colossians 4 verse 2 I want everyone to read this with me let's read together out loud devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. You know, it's kind of interesting how God has set this summer up. And the last week, before we go into a new season, we're going to start some new teachings the next few weeks, and then we go into church at the movies, which is an opportunity to be able to invite people to church. Isn't it interesting that the last part, the last theme is pray that God will give the opportunity to present the message of Jesus and to live wisely among those in whom you have relationships with, that you can make the most of every opportunity. Can I tell you, we're coming into a season where you get to make the most of every opportunity. So in the weeks ahead, we're going to present the gospel in an exciting way. We're going to present the truth in a, a way that our world understands. So I want us to close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to have your way. I pray that there would be such a strong anointing on the things that I say. I pray that you would communicate truth to us. Lord, if our hearts have become hardened and that would hinder somehow the word from really impacting us, then soften us right now, however you do that. Soften our hearts to receive your truth. Speak to us. I come against every stronghold, everything that would distract, discourage, and hinder. And I declare that your word will bring life and freedom in the name of Jesus. Can somebody shout amen this morning? You may be seated. I want to give you the big bumper sticker for the weekend. And if you will, write this down. God wants us to have, you ready? A heavenly perspective about prayer. A heavenly perspective about prayer. Now I'll say this, I love the topic of prayer and I'm excited because my father, Wayman Ming Sr. is here today and in a few moments I'm going to invite him up and I'm going to interview him for a little bit and talk about prayer. And I'll say this, I sometimes get a little frustrated because you know, you may not think of it this way but I do, there are only 52 times in an entire year that we have an opportunity for me to be with you in this corporate setting to communicate God's word, to encourage, to, to disciple, to challenge, to inspire you. And within those 52 weeks, there are times when I'm gone or we have guest speakers. So I have about 40 chances a year. That's it. And in those 40 chances, I could spend all 40 in one year just talking about prayer. There's so many things that we could talk about when it comes to prayer, but what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to take what this passage in Colossians chapter 2 has to say about prayer, and I'm going to communicate that theme. And then next year, I'm going to give you a little insight. When we get into the beginning of January, I'm going to teach on prayer for a while. So get ready, because we're going to learn how to have a relationship with God through prayer. A heavenly perspective about prayers. We read the passage that we read a moment ago. Here are two big ideas that jump out to me. And I think the first one I want you to write down because I think it will encourage you, maybe even give you some insight into prayer. To have a perspective about prayer from God's view. And that's simply this. When it comes to a heavenly perspective about prayer, we need to know, write this down, that prayer should be consistent. Prayer should be consistent. When God gives us this last passage, I believe that's what he's trying to communicate to you and I. That prayer is something that we shouldn't just do, we shouldn't just throw up a Hail Mary when something goes wrong. We shouldn't just, you know, pray when we get to church, but that prayer should be a consistent lifestyle that we live. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. It says, devote yourself to to prayer with an alert mind, you should underline an alert mind and a thankful heart, and then also underline the word devote. Let me tell you what the word devote means in the Greek. The Greek word for devote is a word which means to be earnest toward, it means to persevere, and it means to be constantly diligent. So the idea when it talks about prayers is simply this. When you think about prayer, I want you to be constantly attentive to prayer. In other words, prayer is something that should be consistent. It should be something that we just don't do every once in a while, but it's a part of our daily routine. It's a part of our lifestyle. You know, it's interesting. Jesus talked about prayer, and when he talked about prayer, To his disciples one time, he told a story about a woman who needed an answer. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here ever needed an answer to prayer? Now let me say, prayer is so far beyond just having a need and God answering it. Prayer is about communication with God. Prayer is about spending time with Him. Prayer is about a dialogue, Him speaking to you, you speaking to Him. But we also know that prayer has an element where we bring our requests to God for Him to answer. And so um, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said this. He said, there was a woman who had a need. She was a widow. And she came to the judge, and the judge listened to her request, but didn't answer. But the woman wouldn't give up. She came back day after day after day after day after day after day. Anybody get any idea? Prayer should be consistent. And because she was consistent and she devoted or persevered, Jesus said eventually the unjust judge, who wasn't even a righteous judge, he finally said, okay, okay, I'm going to answer her prayer because she continues to come to me. And then Jesus said this. This is how he set up the whole story. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story. Now look at this. To show them that they should always pray and never give up. Jesus is saying, just like Colossians is saying, prayer should be, if you want to have God's perspective on prayer, prayer should be consistent. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up in your prayer. In fact, I want to show you something in the Bible that's really intriguing. Go with me to the back of the book, Revelations. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Revelations chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Now, this is a picture of heaven, okay? Look at the picture that we see. And when he, speaking of an angel, took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, representing Jesus. Each one had a harp. And they held gold bowls filled with incense. And what were these bowls filled with? Which are the prayers of God's people. Did you know that in heaven, before the throne of God, there are bowls and those bowls are filled with your prayers? Now, let's go on and read a little bit more, because if you go to Revelation chapter 8, I want you to see what happens with those bowls, which are our prayers. Revelation chapter 8 verse 3 says, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne." The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angels had poured them out. Then the angels filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth. So the idea here is that there's an angel and here's his assignment in heaven. His assignment is to take the bowl that's filled with your prayers... And when that bowl gets filled up with those prayers, he releases those before God, and when he does, then he adds the fire of God to your prayers and sends them right back down to earth. So let's think about this for a minute. God adds fire in heaven. God's fire. I'm going to tell you about God's fire. God's fire is the kind of fire that can come from heaven to earth like on Mount Carmel and change a nation. God's fire is a fire that can lead us in the darkness when we're in the middle of the night and there's a cloud by day and a fire by night. Oh, we could go through the Bible and see the power of God's fire. We saw the fire when the Holy Spirit came and was released among His people on the day of Pentecost the fire of God, the power of God, do you realize the power of God is released from heaven when you fill your bowl full of prayer? So the question is, you realize that each of us, it appears, has our own bowl of prayers. Maybe you have a bowl in heaven of prayer that represents your children. I had someone come over and give me a prayer request for their kids. Maybe you've got a bowl in heaven that's for your business. And the thing God's called you to do to provide and for your family and for the kingdom. Maybe you've got a bowl in heaven and that bowl in heaven is for your relationship with your spouse, your marriage. The question I want to ask this morning is how full are your bowls? In fact, could it be that the reason you haven't seen the fire from heaven, could it be that the reason that the fire from heaven hasn't come down and changed your situation and changed your children is because you gave up in prayer a little too quick instead of continuing to constantly not give up but pray after day after day after day so that the day would come where the bowl was filled and the angel could pour it out and the fire could fall. The angel is waiting, could it be that the angel is waiting for you to fill your bowl with prayer? There's a, a verse in the Bible, James chapter 5 verse 16, simply says this, it says, and you, many of you have heard this verse before, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I like the translation says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. But there's another part of this passage that we don't often read. We read the part which says, the effect of fervent prayer is, you know, is powerful and effective, or reveals much, but then we don't read the next verse. If you read the next verse, it gives us a little insight into how you and I can be effective in our prayers. How many want to be effective in your prayers? It goes on to say, we should pray, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it, like Elish, Elijah did. Now, let me, let me break this down. It says, the effective, fervent prayer is effective and powerful, so pray like Elijah. Let's, let's do two things. Let's start with effective and fervent, those two words in the Greek. Those two words in the Greek simply mean this. They mean active, constant prayer. Prayer should be constant. In other words, people who see answers to prayer are people who don't give up in prayer. They keep on praying day after day after day after day after year after year. They don't give up in prayer. And when we do that, what happens? We see our prayers become powerful and effective. And then it tells us, so pray like Elijah. Let's talk about Elijah. Elijah, remember him? And God told him, I'm going to send rain. Remember, he had prayed there would be no rain for seven years. And then finally God said, now I'm going to send the rain. Go pray for rain. What did Elijah do? He didn't pray for rain one time. He didn't pray for rain two times. If you read the story, he prayed seven times for rain. And on the seventh time, the rain began to come. Here's the question maybe he had to pray 7 times because his bowl wasn't full how many times do you and i we stop on day 5 we stop on year 3 we stop on month 6 And maybe the key to the fire falling is that you and I need to understand from God's perspective that prayer isn't just the Hail Mary. It's that we consistently come before Him like the unjust judge with the widow. And we say, God, I'm not giving up. Just like Jacob, when he grabbed a hold of the angel, I'm not letting go. I'm going to demonstrate to you, my heart is, that I'm coming before you. I'm standing and I'm believing for what you promised. I'm not giving up because prayer should be Somebody say amen. Amen. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 2. Reminds me, I'm going to tell this story quickly. I've shared this before, I think three years ago. One day in prayer, I'm going to try to make this story short, but one day in prayer, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, and this was probably eight years ago. I felt the Lord said to me, there's a a mantle of anointing that's in this region. If you remember the story of Elijah and Elisha, remember his mantle fell and Elisha picked it up and he walked in a double portion. And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a mantle that kind of has your dimensions on it. And I've called you here into this region to pick up that mantle. And then he spoke to me this and he said, and you need to have Pastor Jack Hayford pray over you, that there would be a mantle of the anointing he walked in, a similar calling and mantle, to pray that that would come on you. Now, when the Lord told me that, here's the two things that were difficult about that. Number one, that's a very presumptuous thing to ask of someone to pray, especially someone that is a general in the faith that God has used um, when, if the Lord tarries, people look back at the age that we live in, Pastor Jack will be seen as one of the greatest men, greatest leaders of our day. So to ask him to pray for a mantle like that or to share in that calling upon you is a a scary thing to do. Um, Secondly, I didn't know Pastor Jack Hayford. And here's even the scarier part. And he didn't know me. And I'm sure that That over the years, he has had spiritual sons that he's prayed over. So to presume that someone would do that to someone who's not a spiritual son was just really a prayer that seemed impossible. And I told no one, but I began to pray. And I began to fill up my bowl. First year went by, nothing happened. The second year went by, and nothing happened. The third year went by, nothing happened. I will say that throughout those years, I tried to do something to make it happen. (laughs) Tried to figure out ways to try to connect through a friend or something and to get lunch and just no door opened until finally five years later. After praying almost every single day, at least weekly, for five years not telling anyone what was on my heart, I faithfully prayed, and one day, this is miraculous, I won't tell all the backstory, but one day, a man came up to me and said, Pastor Jack, or he'd actually text me on the phone, Pastor Jack wants to have lunch with you. And within a short time, we had set up lunch, we went to lunch, and while we were at lunch, I was trying to figure out beforehand whether I was going to ask him to pray for me or not because I was scared to death. He was going to look at me and say, you're crazy, no way, Jose. But in the middle of our meal, as I started with prayer and we began to talk, Pastor Jack stopped in the middle of that lunch and said, Jared, he goes, as soon as you began to pray over the meal, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, I'm supposed to pray for you. So he said, we need to get out of here and head to your auditorium so that I can do what God's called me to do. And we went from there. We actually came by this campus, and I showed him our campus we were praying about getting, and he, he had confirmation in his heart that this was the right place for us. And then we went to our other campus, and everything that I had prayed for five and a half years with no one knowing but me and the Lord in that moment was one of the most precious moments of my life as he ordered me to the front to kneel on the altar. And he came and laid his hands on me and he began to pray. Why do I tell the story? What would have happened if I'd quit praying after year one? What would have happened if I'd have quit praying after year four? Could it be the message that Colossians is bringing is that you and I oftentimes that we quit before the breakthrough. Listen, God wants to send the fire. And I'm not trying to say that the answers to prayer is always dependent on you because God is the one who does it and he can do anything he wants to do when he wants to do it. But there's something about it when you and I as children who say, I am not giving up. I am standing. I am believing. I am filling my bowl. I am believing for the fire. I know prayer is coming. Consistent, so I'm going to consistently pray and believe God for the answer. Somebody say amen. So what Paul is saying to this young church in Colossae, he's saying, hey, don't give up. Keep praying. Maybe right now the Lord's showing you some bowls that are half full. Maybe he's showing you some bowls and they just need... A few more prayers, a few more beliefs, and a little bit more faith, a little bit more standing. Because when we're faithful to continue to do what is good, in due season we will reap if we faint not. Amen. Prayer should be consistent. Here's the second thing. The second thing that this passage teaches us is this. Prayer creates opportunity. The second idea that I think we need to understand about prayer today is not only that we need to be consistent and can keep on praying and keep on praying, but secondly, we need to understand that prayer creates opportunity. Let's read Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Look what it says. He says to the Colossians, he says, pray for us too that God will give us many what? What's that word? Opportunities. Opportunities. And what do we need to pray for opportunities for? Paul is saying in this passage, he says, to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. You know, it's interesting. I told you to underline in the the verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, devote yourselves to prayer and that you would have an alert mind. You know, the word alert there means this in the Greek. It means to be watchful, to keep awake, to be vigilant. So it's this idea that you're, you're awake, you're paying attention, you're watchful, you're looking. So Paul says, devote yourself to prayer that is watching, that's looking, that's expectant, that's observant, right? What do we know? The Bible says in Philippians, it says, pray and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So God's saying, listen, prayer is not just about being consistent, but prayer is about being watchful, expectant. And then what do we expect? It says, pray For opportunities. Now, here's what the word opportunity means in the Greek. It's a Greek word which means, I love this, it means a portal or a door or a gate. In other words, what this is saying is listen, when you pray consistently and you're committed to prayer, Be watching and waiting and believing, in fact, asking me for a portal to open, for a door to open, for a gate to swing open, for an opportunity to come your way so that you can present the gospel. You know, it's interesting. Remember when Jesus was with the disciples in the garden? Remember? He came back and he says, watch and pray so that you you don't fall into temptation. Let me ask you a question. Could it be that maybe Jesus was trying to give us something beyond just the idea of not falling asleep in prayer? That maybe what he was saying was, hey, it's so tempting to, to be drawn away. It says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So our flesh gets weak. It gets tired. We get discouraged. We get sleepy. We get weary. And then what happens? We don't watch anymore. And then the opportunities come and we miss our opportunities. It reminds me of the story of the man who was in a flood and he climbed onto the roof of his house and he prayed a prayer and he said, God, save me from the flood. And as the waters began to rise, a boat pulled up and said, hey man, listen, hop in the boat, we'll take you to the shore. He said, no, 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 I just prayed, God's gonna save me. Another boat, it left, and a little while later, he prayed again, God, save me, and another boat came by. The water was higher and said, no, no, thank you. I just prayed God is going to save me. And then the waters came over, and he drowned. And when he got to heaven, he said, God, what happened? I prayed, and I asked you to save me. And then the Lord said, I sent three boats to pick you up. (laughs) The point I'm making is how many times do we miss our boats How many times do we walk by portals and open doors and open gates, but because we're not watchful and because we haven't been praying for an opportunity, we miss our moment, we miss our opportunity for God to do and release something great to send the fire that will change everything. I'll never forget when I was a young uh, youth pastor. At the time, I think it was 19 I was working in my my father's church, I was in college, and we were in a series, and I was talking about evangelism, and winning the lost, reaching out, and you know, this is a, a strategic time as a church, because I believe we're getting ready to enter into a harvest season. Over the next several months, you watch from from September all the way through May of next year, we're in a strategic season where I believe we're going to see many, many people find Christ. And this is the opportunity. This is the time. I believe and we've been praying for the door to open, for the portal to open. Now, remember, I stopped at um, the college I went to was in a bad side of town it was really a bad area, and so as I stopped to get gas, there were, it was an area known for drugs and prostitutes, and a, a prostitute came up to me when I was getting gas, and she asked for some money, and I said, I, I didn't have any money at the time, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you, and so I got in the car and drove to church and did youth service, and then I was driving back, and it was pretty late, and as I'm driving back, I came down Clovis Avenue, hung a left. On King's Canyon, when I hung a left on King's Canyon, on the corner there was a Winchell's donut, and uh, just past the Winchell's donut, I saw this same prostitute walking in the same direction I was driving. She was about 300 yards away from Winchell's, going the opposite direction of Winchell's. And as I drove by, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, witness to her. Now, I had two things go through my mind. First thing was... God, this isn't going to look very good. I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock at night. And she was in an area where there was no lighting. It was a, a wide block and there were no street lights. I'm like, what if someone comes along, I get arrested, youth pastor, he gets pulled over for you know, soliciting a prostitute. I'm not, you know, God, this doesn't look good. And I felt like the Lord said, witness to her. And so I prayed a prayer. And here was the prayer I prayed. God. If you want me to do this, you open the door because I'm not going to do it in the middle of the street here in the darkness. You're going to have to make a way for me to do it. So I drove about a half a mile farther, and there was a turnout, and I thought, well, I'm going to go back and see. And I flipped a U, came back to the intersection. I was sitting at the intersection, there's Winchell's Donuts. And as I randomly looked across the left, and I hadn't seen her when I drove by, I was thinking, Whew. She's gone, I'm okay, everything's fine. And as I turn and look, sitting inside of Winchell's Donuts is the same woman all by herself. And it was almost as if the Lord said, I'm going to open a door for you to witness to the prostitute and get a donut at the same time. (laughs) And I remember I was amazed. How in the world did she get from 300 yards going the opposite direction? How did she get all the way back in Winchell's Donuts sitting by herself? Well, I pulled into the store and walked inside, bought some donuts, gave one to her and shared with her the gospel. The point I'm making is that oftentimes we want God to do something. Oftentimes we're praying like Paul. God, save my aunt. God, save my brother. Oh, God, I pray that you'd make a difference in the life of that student. But here's the problem. We pray for them, but we never pray for God to create the opportunity for us to be the vessel for him to use to bring his love and his light and his hope. And as we step into church at the movies and as we go into these seasons, I want to encourage you, don't just be a person who's a person of prayer consistently, but be the person who says, God, open the door, create the opportunity, because I'm going to tell you something, when you do, watch how God will open portals and how God will open gates and how doors will fly open because God wants to create the opportunity for you to extend his love to the world. Pastor, you don't know my situation. Hey, Paul wrote this in prison. And what was his prayer? Pray that God will open the door of opportunity while I'm in chains. It doesn't matter if you're in debt It doesn't matter if you're struggling with an addiction. It doesn't matter if your marriage is messed up right now. It doesn't matter if you feel like that rather than on the top, you're underneath. Rather than on the mountain, you're in the valley. It doesn't matter where you are in life. Here's the cool thing. Wherever you are, God can open doors. He can do miracles because he's a God who can do anything. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to share a quick story with you and then I'm going to invite my father to come up in just a minute. I heard a, a story with Pastor Robert Morris. He told this story about, about his grandfather. And he said this, he said in the story, he said, my grandfather did not know the Lord. And many, many years ago when he was a young man, he worked for the Texas Transportation Agency. And his job was to fill all the potholes in all the streets in Dallas. That's his job. It just so happened that when he was working for this agency, there was another man that was there, and his name was Ray Alexander, and he was a Christian. And Ray loved to tell people about Christ, and so he kind of shared a little bit about Jesus to um, Robert Morris's grandfather, and after a conversation, he said, hey, would you come over tonight? I'd like to talk to you more about this. And so his grandfather said, okay, I'll do that. And when he got home, he was getting ready to leave. And Robert Morris's father at that time, who was only 16 years of age, um, obviously Robert wasn't around then, but his father looked at his grand, uh, Robert Morris's grandfather and he said, hey, can I drive? He'd just got his license. If you're going somewhere, can I drive you? And he said, sure, you can go, but you're going to have to sit outside on the porch while I take care of what I'm supposed to do. So they drive to Ray Alexander's house and it was a hot night and there was no air conditioning and so um, Robert Morris's father at 16 sat on the porch. The screen, there were, the door was open and there was a screen and he listened as Ray Alexander presented the gospel to Robert Morris's grandfather. When he got done sharing the gospel, he said, what do you think? And would you like to receive Christ? And his grandfather said, no, I need to think about it. And then he went on to say, he goes, well, listen, if you change your mind, here's what you need to do. You need to pray this prayer. And he went through the sinner's prayer with him, explaining, he said, if you decide to receive Christ, of course, come back and talk to me. I'd love to, you know, lead you to Christ. But if you ever need to, pray this prayer and it'll begin a relationship with Christ. And so his grandfather said, thank you very much. I'm not interested. They got in the car and they drove home. What they didn't know is that Robert Morris's father, at 16 years of age, was sitting on that porch. And when he heard this, he decided he wanted to receive Jesus. So he listened and he prayed the prayer and he accepted Christ and later on when he grew a little older there were three, bro- three brothers in the family two of them had horrible situations one was killed, one went to jail and the only one who had accepted Jesus, he was the one who ended up going to college, the only one in his family to go to college, he started a business which became very successful and his son Robert Morris who now passes a church of 35,000 in Dallas and is all over the world leading people to Christ, that young man, he accepted Christ because some Someone, by the name of Ray Alexander, prayed that God would create a door, an opportunity to lead his grandpa to Christ. Now, after Robert Morris had gotten older and his grandpa was getting up in age, they were headed to a family reunion. And suddenly, Robert began to feel the weight of the fact that his grandpa had not received Christ. He would prayed for him before, but finally he said, you know what? He looked at his wife, he said, I'm going to pray that God is going to open a door, give me an opportunity at this reunion to share the gospel with grandpa. Well, guess what? They went to the reunion, and suddenly the moment came. An opportunity was there. And he shared the hope of Christ. And his grandfather, at almost 80 years of age, accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, shortly after that, I don't know how long it was, his grandfather passed away. And as Robert Morris was kind of going through life thinking about his grandfather, he realized, you know what? When I shared with Grandpa about Christ, he told me about a man named Ray Alexander who 40 years earlier had shared with him the gospel, but he didn't respond. I wonder if Ray Alexander's still alive, because he, if he is, I'd like to tell him that God answered his prayer. So he went to information in Dallas, he called and, you know, he found, I was back before Google and all of that, he called and found Ray Alexander in the phone book, and he called and when he did, Ray Alexander at 81 years of age picked up the phone. He said, hi, my name is Robert Morris and I'm calling um, Ray to say, do you remember a man by the name of Jim Morris who worked for the, travel, you know, or the transportation agency many years ago? And he says, yes, I do remember him. He said, do you remember that you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, but he said no? Do you remember that? And he said yes. And then he said this, and he goes, and I have been praying for your grandfather every single day for the last 40 years. And Robert said... You've been praying for 40 years. How do you remember that? I mean, that's amazing. Why would you do that? And then Ray Alexander said, because in the back of my Bible, I have a list of the names of the people that I have shared the hope of Jesus Christ that I have been praying to receive Christ. And when they receive Christ, after I've prayed for them, I put a check next to their name so that I know that they've been saved. And guess what? The only man in the back of my Bible who doesn't have a check next to his name is Jim Morris. And as he began to weep on the phone, he said, When I get off the phone, I'm going to go after 40 years and I'm going to put a check next to Jim Morris's name and I'm going to see him again. How full is your bowl? Maybe you feel like giving up. Pastor, it's been 15 years I've been praying. I've been praying for seven days already now, Pastor. I want to tell you that prayer is something that should be consistent, and prayer is something that opens doors. And I want to encourage you begin to be a person who is consistently praying for God to open the opportunities. Let me show you one verse. And as I do that, Wayman, why don't you bring um, Dad up? There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty-five, which says this. It says, "Therefore, speaking of Jesus, this is what He's doing right now at the right hand of the Father." He's sitting beside the Father in heaven, and here's what he's praying. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. You know what that tells us? You know what Jesus is doing since he he died and he rose again? He's not running around heaven, you know, making sure things are getting ready. He's not running around heaven giving people high fives. He has devoted, just like it says in Colossians, we're to do. He has devoted himself constantly to prayer to the Father that those who he's called will come into the kingdom. Listen, if Jesus is devoted to prayer, maybe we should too. I want to ask a question and I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm talking to you. If you're joining us in England or Indianapolis and you don't know Jesus, you don't know if you're going to heaven. You see, when we die, life doesn't end. Death isn't terminal, death is transitional. We transition into eternity. And the only way that we can spend eternity in heaven forever is one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. You can't get there by being good. You can't get get there by giving to the poor. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is like a filthy rag. We'll never be righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. We all sin. We all do things wrong. But here's the good news. Jesus came when he died on that cross, and he paid the price for your sin and mine. Jesus is praying. You realize Jesus is talking to the Father in heaven. He is praying for you to come into the kingdom and for God's will to be done in your life. Why don't you let his prayer be answered today? You say, what do I need to do to be forgiven of my sins? What do I need to do to be able to go to heaven? Well, number one, you have to ask Jesus for forgiveness of your sins. You have to admit you're a sinner, confess and repent. And secondly, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ Faith isn't some emotional supernatural experience where a light shines from heaven. It's happened that way before. But here's what faith really is. It's the decision to believe. And I'm going to count to three. And if you're here and you want to receive Christ or you're somewhere watching online and you want to receive Christ and be forgiven of your sins, you've never done this before, like Jim Morris, when I say three, lift your hands. Maybe you're here and you need to recommit your life to Christ. The Father is praying for you. He's looking for those prodigals to come back home. When I say three, why don't you lift your hand and then we'll all pray a prayer together. One, forgiveness is yours. Two, today you can be changed. Three, where are you? Lift your hands all across the room. You want to receive Christ. Come on, lift your hands. First time recommitments. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Thank you there, here and here. Hands all throughout this auditorium are being raised over here and here. Thank you. Hands are being raised. You can put them down. Let's all pray this prayer together now. Say, Jesus... I admit I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Come into my life. Forgive me and change me. I put my faith in you starting today. In your name I pray, amen. We're so excited you made that decision. Today would you give a Higher Vision welcome to Wayman Ming Sr. who's come to join us. Dad, is, your, is it on? My mother is in Africa, and they've been on a missions trip in East Africa uh, for the last two weeks. And so, Dad came up this weekend to spend a little time with us while she's gone. They're coming back on Tuesday. Since he was here, I asked him if he would come. Dad, it's good to have you here. Thanks for coming out. Um, One of the things I appreciated about my father, and I believe that he is a spiritual father, not just to me, but really to this house, to higher vision. One of the things I love about my parents is that they didn't focus just on trying to provide for us when it came to possessions from the earth, but they provided for us with an inheritance that's far greater, that will last for eternity. And one of the things that I know is important to them is to be people of prayer. I've told you before that I've come home from work or from uh, school, and I would walk in every day hearing my mom in the back room praying. I'd get up and leave for school hearing my dad pray early in the morning every day. They're people of prayer. And so, Dad, I decided to ask, have you come and ask you some questions about prayer since you're here and that's such a heritage that you've given. So here's question number one. What would you tell someone if they were going to develop a stronger prayer life?
1: situation you can think of and you begin to become discouraged. But go in and spend five minutes in prayer. And then as you begin to develop your relationship with Christ, Christ. and you begin to walk with Him and, and, and all at once, five minutes will turn into ten minutes and ten minutes will turn into fifteen minutes and the first thing you know, you're spending time in the presence of God is you're developing a relationship with the Lord. So
0: prayer is not the list of things we bring to God. It's not the quantity of our list. It's the quality of the time we spend with Him.
1: Absolutely. Because in the scripture that you use today, in one translation, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In other words, I do not believe and bring a whole list of things to God and keep saying, okay, God, would you answer? God, would you answer? God, would you answer? I'll say, Lord, this is something that needs to be done, but I'm thanking you because I believe that you're going to answer prayer. And then uh, prayer becomes a time of thanksgiving, a time that you begin to lift uh, a situation before the Lord in prayer, but faith begins to fill your heart As you begin to thank God because you know that He answers prayer and that He will answer
0: that prayer. So prayer can be reading your Bible and letting God talk to you. Yes. prayer is a two-way conversation.
1: Absolutely. It can be
0: sharing your heart with Him. It can be worshiping. It -hmm. can be a part of that time, spending time in the presence of the Lord. Second question would be, um, can you remember a prayer that didn't get answered right away that you had to keep on praying about? And well, he uh, wanted to give up,
1: right? I, I remember. Uh, I, I think you told this to the people, but um, uh, I had a split, a split in the church when I first came. Went to uh, to New Hope, and one of the deacons left, and he said some very harsh things to me. And I began to uh, to begin to pray the Lord's prayer, and I came to the part about uh, forgiveness, and I would say and I would call that person's name in prayer and I'd say, I forgive you for God uh, because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me. About two months went by and I got a call from them. And so they wanted to talk to me. They said, well, you know, we've not really um, changed our opinion about wanting to come back to the church, but we don't feel the way that we did. They told me that you shouldn't be pastor, you won't be here long, and, you know, all those kind of things. And... Um, Then six months went by and they showed up on a weekend and they've been in the church ever since. And they came to me with tears streaming down their their face and asked me to forgive them. And it was because that I consistently lifted them up before the Lord in prayer and believed God. And of course, with a family, it's an ongoing thing. Unfortunately, I have to pray for you all the time.
0: <laughs> All right, let's close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's a
1: joy. It's a joy of mine to be able to lift up my sons and their spouses and my grandchildren before the Lord in prayer. And uh, I declare. We have a whole list of, uh, of declarations uh, and I didn't think to bring them today. But I pray for you and I pray for the kids and I say to them, I say, I declare that the hand of God is upon you, the anointing of God is upon you, the favor of God is upon you. And to your kids that are not married yet, I say, Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus that you're praying, preparing their last mate. Amen. And I say, Lord, I declare that you are positioning them to fulfill your destiny in their lives.
0: So prayer also then becomes not only being consistent, praying for opportunities, but it really is. We know that when we pray the will of God, it will be done. So searching the word to find out the promises that are in his will for us so that we can come into agreement Mm -hmm. and pray those things over our families.
1: Well, one of the things that I I tell the men of our church, and uh, I tell them that don't be blindsided. If you are walking with God, if you're spending time in prayer, if you're spending time in the Word, if you're spending time in the house of God and fellowship with people, then things shouldn't just happen. And all at once you say, well, huh. Where did that come from? You walk close enough to God that if something starts happening in your family, all at once the Spirit of God begins to touch your heart and say to you, There's something happening. It's like, uh, it's like uh, as, a, as a father, there's an umbrella that's over your family. And um, the only way that uh, rain can get through is to go through the umbrella. And the same way in the spirit realm, whenever you are spending time before the presence of the Lord, the devil can't get to your family without going through you.
0: You know, Dad, in just a moment, I want to take a moment and I want to pray as we bring the service to a close. Team's going to come out. Maybe you're here today, and Dad, you can stay seated. We'll have you come and pray in just a minute maybe you're here today and you kind of look at this situation and I had some people tell me this last night they're like pastor we're not blessed like you to have a spiritual father that prayed over us and watched over us and protected us But let me tell you something you do have a father Yes, you do you have a father in heaven who is watching over you he's looking out for you the Bible says that those who are orphans or without that he in the spiritual realm that he puts them in families that he's a father to the fatherless. And Father God, he is watching over you. And here's the cool thing. Someone's praying for you. You know, you know who's praying for you? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now praying for you. You're not fatherless. And God is going to bless you as you learn how to spend time in his presence.